Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Chapter 6, Waru, Huh, Good God, The Book, The Crystal Star, by Vonda McIntyre, Year, 1994, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yum nub for you. I hate dogs and Chewbacca's. You set my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars discussion podcast hosted by Jeff and his Wookiee John. <laughs> You're doing kind of a Kabanka thing. Yeah, a little bit. A little, little Kabanka. <laughs> I am the Kabanka to your ham solo. Kabanka. I would be kind of a ham jello if I was a, uh, if I was a, a dashing smuggler. And I wouldn't be a dashling, dashing smuggler anyway. I'd really be more of an ambling one. Yeah. <laughs> Mildly ambling smuggler. Are you fucking kidding me? I moseyed the Kessel Run in about a thousand parsecs. <laughs> Actually, I just took an Uber. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I, I got my own ship. <laughs> uh, hey, can you give me a ride past the Kessel Run? Thanks, bro. You're a real help. Bruh, cool. Can we go by to- Taco Bell as well? Nah, man. Cotijan or nothing. <laughs> So, uh, this is... What are we doing? That was a very San Diego reference. Yay. It's okay, though. This is the sixth sixth chapter. Six. Sixth. Six, sheiks. Uh, hang on. I can do that tongue twister. The sixth sick sheiks. Sixth sheeps sick. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I can still do tongue twisters when needed. Although, that's going to sound atrocious on a microphone. Of course it is. Yeah. That's going to be like... That's pfft. a lot of S's. It's just going to be like... <laughs> yeah. It's just all siblings. Siblings. Yeah, so anyway, to start again, I'm Jeff, that's John, this is the Expounded Universe uh, Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6, we are talking about the Crystal Star, and oh boy, is it ever an important episode. Oh, finally. We finally got there, guys. After, like, I don't know, being about a third of the way through this book. Yeah, and well, it's we a 14-chapter book, yeah. The, like, main guy that's on the back of this. Is he? There's Waru's on the back of the book? Well, not picture. Oh, I'm okay. saying description on the back. There's no pictures of Waru. Yeah, yeah. You can't capture that. You, you never get good pictures on these books. No, they, they, I mean, occasionally you'll see one with Thrawn, because he's just sort of a blue moth Tarkin. Well, yeah, I mean, mostly you just get people painting the actors from Star Wars. Yes, you get those same characters over and over again, and that's by mandate. Uh, I mean, the, the authors at the time would have gladly had their, their awesome new characters illustrated and put on there, but... The people making the books didn't think that would sell for shit. So it's always a picture of Luke Skywalker, who never gets any older. Han Solo, who doesn't grow a beard, even though he has a beard in this book. Yep. Princess Leia, still wearing the celebratory Wookiee outfit. I'm not sorry, Ewok outfit. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to see her in a celebratory Wookiee outfit. What? Just like, I don't know. Well, she does wear one at the end of the holiday special when she goes to an actual Wookiee celebration. That, that rube? Yeah, to sing a day of hope. A day of harmony. A day of Han Solo. <laughs> hey, who changed the teleprompter? Ha <laughs> 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 Solo away! Woo! <laughs> okay, so in this chapter, we start out by hanging with, with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> yeah, with Han, Purple 3, Luke, and Zaveri. And Mr. Cooper. <laughs> and Mr. Cooper. He's there. He's there twice, because we're hanging with Mr. Cooper, and Han, and Luke, <laughs> and Purple 3, and Zaveri, and, and Mr. Mr. Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, this isn't going very well, John. I think we might need to start all over. <laughs> no, we don't need to do anything. All right, fine. Okay, <laughs> so we've made our way all the way into the compound. 
at Cersei Station, where Waru is said to dwell, but that Zaveri is still being completely tight-lipped about. Yeah, I mean, this is finally the chapter where we figure out what's going on with Zaveri, because up until this point, you are basically supposed to be led to believe that she has some problem with Waru, and that's why she's called them here. Yes. She needs Waru assistance. Yeah, there's like, oh, there's some weird dude, and I needed to call in, like, the heroes of the Republic to deal with it. Yeah. But it turns out she's just, like, a fan? (laughs) Like, well, I I don't know. She might be pulling a long con on Waru here. It's hard to say still. No, man. I mean, by the end of this chapter, she is very much like, no, fuck you. That guy's rad. I'm on board. You should be on board. <laughs> so, which is weird because up until this point, she's just been like, "I can't tell you. You have to. You have to come here and see." And oh, it's it's crazy. You'd never believe me. And I'm like, okay, but if you're trying to convert someone, maybe don't make it sound like you have to follow me and like assassinate a guy. Well, I think it's just because Han and Luke would never go to meet a cool dude. Yeah, that's like if she was like, "Oh, there's this really awesome bro." And he's got a cool dude ceremony for cool guys. And they'd be like, nah, we're, we're not interested. Guys, he's got a new PS4 and two copies of that Dragon Ball Fighter Z. You guys, uh, guys want to come on down and hang with this chill bro? You'll, you'll never believe it. It can connect to the network. <laughs> I had a rough day that first, time, first day. I mean, you know, I had worse problems going on in my life than that I couldn't play Dragon Ball Fighter Z for one day. Yeah. But I still definitely walked by about once every 15 minutes and was like, hi, Beta. Are you going to work for me? No. no. Okay. And for a long time, my favorite thing about that game was the jaunty tune that it would play when it was telling me, you can't play this game. Oh, yeah. I even downloaded the beta just because I was like, I wonder if it's just your dumb internet. Yeah, nope, it's them. I thought it might be my crappy internet, but I was super salty because I spent like $90 on that shit. Uh, yeah, that's fine because that's because that's because I'm going to get the eight bonus characters. Eight boner characters. I don't know who they're going to be, but I'm going to guess we're going to get like... Uh, I hope you can play as Bulma. Yeah, we might get Bulma or Mr. Satan, although I'm sure he'll be called Hercule. Ah, uh, nah, Mr. Satan or Bust. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, some other made-up, uh, just some Dragon Ball character that you've never some, heard of. Some random dude that is a pun about food. Well, they're all just named after food. It's not even puns. I mean, Gohan literally just means rice. Yeah, well, it's It's kind of... And they're not all named after food, either. I mean, Piccolo... Some of them are underwear. Yeah, some of them are underwear. And then Piccolo used to be the leader of a gang with a bunch of guys who were all also named after musical instruments. Well, there you go. So there was, like, Fife was on his team, for example. I mean, I don't know that for sure. Someone out there is real mad at me right now because I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. You're definitely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like, I remember his team was Piccolo and then, let's see, Triangle. Clarinet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Chapman Stick. Uh, <laughs> Obolo. <laughs> Uh, what's that stupid instrument that you play by holding your hand near it? Uh, Zether, Zer, Zeremon, Theremin, Theremin. Yeah, so I think Theremin was on his team too. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, pushing forward, they make their way into this big gold compound, and it's got gold calligraphy all over the walls, and the calligraphy changes shape as they walk past it. Good. Great. All right. It's the future. Yeah, it's super You, you super have future. writing that can change. Good yeah. for you. Well, it's still it's sort of neat. The description is, is cool. It's like the place is lit with red, but it had gold walls, and so it's all like crazy and like bloody looking in there and, 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 and interesting. It's an interesting description. And then they get inside the building, and uh, sure enough, there's just heaps of aliens. So many weird aliens. Yeah. I mean, we don't really get any of their cool descriptions. Uh, mostly, a, a lot of them are chanting or yelling. And well, they're saying this things. is this is all from Han's perspective. So he's like, 
oh, hey, I recognize some of these things, and then there are some that I don't. Yeah, so the first thing, the only one that we really get a good description of is the Zephliffle. Yeah, them Zephliffle, which are a race that he doesn't know. They're Yeah, he doesn't know what they are, uh, but they look like a single mat of seaweed with humps coming out of it. Yeah, I mean, it... <laughs> Isn't there, I want to say there was, like, the bad guys from fucking the Snorks is basically what Zephliffle are. Uh, yeah, I think there might have been some bad guys in the Snorks that were sentient heaps of seaweed. Uh, but, so what we've got here is a big collection of seaweed heaps that C-3PO identifies, you know, helpfully as the Zephliffle. Yep. Uh, and he's like, so the Zephliffle are from the, from the fourth world of Mark B's star. And they... <laughs> Mark oh, B- Mark B star. <laughs> He, I definitely have a poster of him on my wall. <laughs> I got that out of Tiger Beat. I don't know about me. you. I've been using Mark B. Lip Balm for like weeks now. That's good shit, my friend. Mm-mm. Mm, star flavored with just a hint of seaweed people. <laughs> just a hint of Zephliffle. So the Zephliffle are like literally seaweeds. Uh, at one point, one of them pulls out a bag and sprays salt water all over all of them. Yeah, and some of it gets on Han. And Han's like, ah, oh, Ew, gross. Oh, wait, it's just salt water. It's okay. But I'm also not... gross. Yeah, it's still gross, though. Uh, so the interesting thing about the Zephliffle, I looked them up because one of the things about this book is most of the time when she makes, when Vonda McIntyre makes up a race, it just dies in this book. Like it doesn't show up again, but there is one of those 4X video games. You know what I'm talking about, John, like yeah. Masters of Orion and stuff called Star Wars Rebellion, okay. uh, where the Zephliffle showed up as one of 10 aquatic races that they knew, they just needed uh, they, they just needed some more aquatic people. They just needed ten worlds that use the aquatic world template. Yeah. So Zephliffles made their way into it, as well as, you know, of course, like Natolans and uh, the Mon- Moncal and Quarren. Although I believe Moncal and Quarren are from the same planet, but who cares, right? Meh. So, But the fun thing is that they didn't get the name right. <laughs> so in the game, or at least in the strategy guide about the game, the planet and the people from the planet are both called Zephifi. Oh, Zafifi. <laughs> so, Zafifi is a great name for, like, a poodle or a oh. Zephliffle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm the Zephliffle named Zafifi. I am Zafifi. Wait, are you the Fifi? No, I am Zafifi. I am Zafifi. <laughs> I, I also, am Z Zafifi. I also have a French accent. <laughs> this is Zafifi. This is Z Zafifi. The famous one. <laughs> <laughs> the only Zafifi. So, uh, the Luke, who, you know, is straight up completely out of his mind at this point, does manage to Jedi up an answer about all these weird aliens that are all over where, the, the the building, all of them kind of moaning and chanting and huddling, and he's like, they're sick. Yeah. And then, he, at least he has the presence to be able to look around and go like, oh, you know what's weird? There's someone in every group that's all fucked up. Yeah. Now, this is one of those great examples of C-3PO failing to read language cues, where he's like, no, Master Luke, they're not disgusting, they're merely aliens. <laughs> Which is like, dude... It's Luke. It's not like Leia's talking to you right now about the gross aliens in the room. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I just assume all humans are racist. (laughs) That's why I'm human cyborg relations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No one else needs someone to help them with relations. They're just nice. Humans are dickwads. Yeah, that's why you need protocol droids. No one else can handle interactions between humans and cyborgs. (laughs) I mean, it's it's amazing to me that you haven't already tried to eat the Zephliffle. Look at them. They're like a salad to you, aren't they? Oh, you disgust me. <laughs> I hate each and every one of you. <laughs> Sassy oh, 3PO is the best. Yeah, Sassy 3PO is our new character, which is 3PO, except he's with it. <laughs> so he's just 3PO, but he fucking hates your shit, well, here's the he pro- is tired of We've it. We've been talking about this all day. 3PO is actually cool in this chapter. Like, okay, purple 3. He's, been, he's still been painted purple, which is which is silly, but but he's actually like useful here. 
Yeah, he, you he, very rarely get a point in the movies or from what I've seen in the books where C-3PO gets a moment to actually be like, oh, I'm a cool guy that knows what's going on. Like, he, you get the moment in Return of the Jedi where he can speak Ewok, basically. Yes, he's actually a little integral to Return of the Jedi because he also speaks uh, a little bit of Twi'lek. Uh, because he's able to talk to Bib Fortuna, even though apparently Twi'lek is just like pigeon English, because he's just like, Ne Jabba, no bada. Like, I, I know what that is. I don't speak Twi'lek. It's don't bother Jabba. Yeah. I, I get it, but so easy language, apparently. Uh, but no, okay. So even in Return of the Jedi, when he like is the god of the Ewoks briefly, it's still all played for laughs. Oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't get to be like, Oh man, it's super great that I know this. It's, Oh, oh my. Oh, they're going to eat you. Ooh. <laughs> Which is interesting, because how does he speak Ewok in the first place, right? Yeah. So I mean, he has six million languages, but no one knew Ewoks were here. Like, no one ever was like, hey, uh, did you know there's a bunch of weird, like, murder bears that live on that planet? Crazy, right? So this is sort of interesting, because what it suggests to me is that C-3PO actually is a powerful machine tool for learning new languages. In addition to speaking six million, he just immediately starts learning one the moment he encounters it. Well, yeah, I mean, when you have a six million language database to go off of, the second something starts talking to you, you're like, oh, I can piece that together from any given number of languages. And even if you're like, oh, the words themselves, I don't know, but the cadence he's using and the emphasis he puts on things, you'll eventually just go, oh, yeah, I got it. Don't worry. So this is the weird thing to me about that. It's clear that he speaks extraordinary amounts of body language as well because he mentions that throughout the course of this chapter that there are, there are species that use body language to, to uh, display parts of their language structure but he himself can't read human body language at all oh no which well, he, the other weird thing is it also means that he uh, he can smell things because he does talk about like languages that are just like farts in yes, addition yeah. to whatever they're he doing scent-based languages which presumably means that he is carrying around at any given time chemical mixing tanks and aerosol dispensers so he can shoot off smells to communicate with smell species yeah also i bet those big flashlights he has for eyes can probably flash in a variety of colors for color species yeah anytime that it's like oh this is like a weird cuttlefish species yeah i mean like all right hold on let me say some words and then like flip my eyes from red to green to yellow, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, basically what we're saying here is that 3PO is way cooler than we've ever thought of before. Yeah, given now, that he can speak six million languages means he's got some weird capabilities we haven't gotten into. But I would venture furthermore that he is broken. Oh, probably. That he is literally a broken droid, because just think of Empire Strikes Back. If, if he could read body language at all, he'd know to quit talking to Han immediately. Yeah. If Han was like, I fucking hate this droid, why is he still talking? Oh, asteroids, oh. He, he, instead, he should be saying, you know, nothing. He should be getting out of the room so no one takes him apart. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, I've realized by body language that Han Solo is about to fucking shoot me. Yeah. I should leave. And then the scene where he walks in on Han and Leia in the same movie. A really good protocol droid would be like, ah, a human liaison. I shall leave them to it so they can make another human who might employ me. <laughs> but, in, but instead, he's like, oh, oh, I'm so terribly awkward. And here's the thing, John, I know why. He was built by a fucking five-year-old. Ah. Uh. So 3PO doesn't understand friggin' uh, dating and stuff because he was built by a little kid. Why are you two mashing your face together? That's weird. Ooh, one of you is going to get cooties for certain. <laughs> that or he's hyper-intelligent on body language, and he's like, 
oh, I understand that Han Solo is mad at me, but he's not going to do anything about it. <laughs> he's so good. Like, I know you're bullshitting. And he's just sitting there fucking with him until he gets <laughs> to the point where he's like, all right, I pushed it too far. That's true, sassy 3PO. <laughs> yeah. Sassy 3PO is like, oh, I know you two are about to bone down, but there is nothing sassy 3PO loves more than cock blocking. <laughs> So anyway, he identifies this F-Liffle, and then Luke asks about a species that he he sees as well. They're, like, heavy, and uh, 3PO just goes, they are. And Han has to be like, they are what? He's like, oh, I just told you, Master Han. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm speaking in a language that is far below the range of your hearing. Yeah. Oh, they, they speak in a, a language that you couldn't possibly hear. My bad. Which is like, come on, 3PO. If you speak six million forms of communication, and you're literally human cyborg relations, not alien cyborg relations. You should know the, the, standard, uh, the standard parameters for human hearing. Also... I think that's just sassy 3PO coming through again. Oh, yeah. Their, la- their, their language actually doesn't do that. He's just fucking with them. Yeah. Oh, their name is... Oh, sorry, you can't hear it. Oh, anyway, bye, fuckers. <laughs> their name is... What, what, what's their name, 3PO? Oh, you'll smell it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sassy 3PO is basically just like, oh, why don't you fucking give me some respect then, eh? Huh? I know all these goddamn languages. Well, at a certain point, they come across a altar in the center of the, of the room. Well, yeah, they have to go through, like, there's the giant milling area, and then there's a little, like, waiting narthex where it's completely quiet. <laughs> Listen to you and your church words. Hey, I got church words. I'm going to use them. <laughs> but in there, like, no one says anything, and there's no sound that comes from either side. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is the super quiet waiting room, as opposed to the ridiculously crowded loud waiting room. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the actual, like, church proper. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, Luke freaks out like a girlfriend in a haunted house. <laughs> In, in that he grabs Han's arm so hard, hard that Han's arm hurts. Yeah. Because the altar is moving. Oh, no. It turns out the altar is Waru. So Waru's just sitting there in the middle of the room, and uh, now it's time for our first introduction to Waru. Yeah. And John, I've seen pictures of Waru before, and I know you haven't, so if you wouldn't mind, could you please give us your description, based on the description in this book, of what the hell Waru is exactly? Okay, what I need you to imagine is... A pillar of greasy hamburger that someone has covered in gold scales. Now, Waru is like a like a fat guy in clothes that barely fit because every time he moves, it exposes his ridiculous greasy underbelly. Yeah, and so it's like, oh, I turn to go look at someone, and half of the scales on this side of my body slightly separate, and my goo starts pouring out. There is a puddle of nonsense disgusting grease like below him. Yes. That has stalactites of grease. Basically he's like a spire of euro meat covered in little gold scales. Except yeah. they're huge. Everything everything is huge. Oh well, yeah. I mean it's it's like take meat wad, yeah. cover him in gold and make him huge and that's Waru. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Now Something happens at the very beginning of Waru's introduction in this chapter that makes no sense to me, and I had never occurred had never occurred to me before. I've always envisioned Waru as basically a a cylinder, like like sort of a a, a, a just like, a meat pillar. Yeah, like if a beer can was covered in ooze and then shields. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, and then mobile, mobile like a gelatinous cube is mobile. But the very first thing he does at the beginning of this is he orients himself towards Zaveri and her party. Yep, which implies that he has a front. It does. I mean, my assumption was his, 
like goo just sort of shifted to bend towards them. Yeah, I mean, I hear Orients himself, and I think that he's spinning he, like, a bit. Turns on it. around, like yeah. his, like the whole the whole meatus of this guy just sort of spins on the axis towards these people. Oh, don't worry, he put googly eyes on the front of him so people <laughs> would know. He just has a this side up written on him. Yeah. <laughs> He had, he it's a giant mass of weird oozing meat covered in gold scales and a t-shirt that says my eyes are up here and it's pointing towards nothing. <laughs> it's just more goop and scales. <laughs> yeah. So all right, Waru for the for the uninitiated is described in the book as a, a collection of chased golden shields and that's chased like they are, they are being pursued by something not that they don't get down <laughs> yeah the, these golden scales like to fuck. <laughs> that's i want to make sure you know that these aren't virginal scales they're just they're just under hot pursuit by wolves or something yeah. and who what wolf wouldn't pursue this thing it's literally dripping meat yeah this this thing is like ready to go on the grill <laughs> it's, just, it's just like if you hollowed out a pineapple and put burger in there <laughs> Yeah, man, I love this meat pillar. I'm I'm straight up on board with Waru. Uh, so Maru turns to them and I, in in a voice that can apparently only be heard by Zaveri and her companions, he he starts talking to her. Uh, and and Luke is again still completely freaking out. Uh, oh, there's one last thing that happens before they meet him, which is three PO is like, oh, I should probably go and wait outside because I guess he's spent his entire life being used to not being allowed to meet important people. I. It's weird to me because there's only one point, and that's the Moss Eisley Cantina, where there's any indication that anyone gives a fuck about whether or not droids are there. Yes, only the Moss Eisley Cantina doesn't want droids in there, and it makes sense because droids don't drink. Exactly. They're like, look, we've got a limited amount of space, and it needs to go towards drunk people. Yeah, it's it's just like if you were to try to go into a local bar and carry your bike in with you instead of locking it up outside. Don't Your bike's going to take up a seat. Yeah. You can't have your bike in the bar. No. Also, you can't have this useless droid. <laughs> this useless, bullshit, six million language-speaking droid. Ain't no one need to speak a language in a bar other than dos more por favoro. <laughs> Thanks, tomorrow nights. <laughs> <laughs> I love that people were so angry about that, because I'm, I'm completely on board with them. Uh, with the fact that the slang in tomorrow nights was all just like, like, comprende. This means slang. That is a language. <laughs> that's just a word in a language, you shits. <laughs> anyway, anyway, pushing forward here, uh, 3PO's like, well, I don't believe I should be meeting him because, of course, I am merely a droid. Obviously, they wouldn't want droids in this chapel because... Shrug. Yeah, here's the thing, 3PO. You're a protocol droid. Your literal only reason for existing is so that important people can talk to other important people. Yeah. If you're going to go meet someone important, of course you need to be there. Yeah, I mean, like I said... I think it's just that she's drawing from that no droids allowed scene at the very beginning of New Hope. There's, the only other time that makes any sense to me with the whole no droid thing is in Empire when he gets disassembled by Ugnaughts, no one mentions it. They're just like, hey, let's all get up into our hotel room. Hey, isn't this Lando guy charming? Has anyone seen 3PO? Oh, no, not for like six hours. Eh, who cares? Well, I mean, they also did that in this book where they're yeah. like, hey, what happened to 3PO? Uh, he wandered off into this weird space station on the edge of the galaxy Filled with ne'er-do-wells, I'm sure his fussy ass will be fine. <laughs> well, sassy 3PO would be perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is that, a heap of brebishems? <laughs> <laughs> Pathetic. Mm. <laughs> I've seen better. <laughs> I've seen much taller heaps in the markets of Coruscant. <laughs> <laughs> and they quivered far better. Mm. Mm. Two stars on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> I will destroy you online. <laughs> I'm an important columnist in this town. <laughs> My reviews are read on 12 star systems. 
<laughs> You'll be dead. <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, all right. So, uh, they, but, you know, Zaveri's just like, no, it's fine. You can come in. All Z- sentients are welcome before Waru. Yeah, and then he's like, ooh, that's quite enlightening. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh. How progressive. It's just, except that, like, you know, that was also true of Jabba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking... Again, there's only one thing that backs this up. The rest of the galaxy's like, yeah, whatever, you're a droid. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. So, Waru. He, he turns to Zaveri and, and says in only his and his, uh, in their heads. Yeah, apparently ah, he is psychic. Yeah. Zaveri, what have you brought before me? What's up with these bitches? And she's like, I have brought them for you to meet you and bask in your eminence, thy lord or something. Because, and here we go with this shit. Uh, at least with in terms of Severi, Waru's all thee thou. Yeah, Waru, for some reason, in, I guess, his language, is thee thou is the way you talk to someone you're closer to. Yes. Because it's weird, because you would assume the thee thous would be more formal than informal, but that is the opposite case. Yeah. He's like, oh, thy, thy ha- thou hast brought me such interesting things, Zaveri. What is thy wish? <laughs> And she's like, ah, Master Waru, I have brought thee thy's people, Thoust. <laughs> Which is funny, because at least Han has a moment to where he goes ahead and makes fun of it. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, ah. What the fuck are you doing? What, what is this shit? Okay, thee, thou, thou wouldst, hadst, binst. Okay, I'm on board. Wouldst have had, whomstead have. <laughs> so, so, basically, he just starts talking to Zaveri. Among all these, like, screaming random aliens and stuff, he's like, He's like, hmm, thank you for bringing these things before me. No one has ever brought Waru a gift, and yet everyone asks so much of Waru. Fuck you, Waru. I'm like, all right, Waru, you're surrounded by screaming supplicants who need medicine, your weird alien medicine for their, their sick people. You fucking kidding me that no one's ever tried to bribe you, ever? Yeah, I mean... That's going to be like... That's day fuck, one shit. Yeah, that is 100% a day one DLC. That I'm is just... <laughs> you decided you have heal powers. Someone's showing up with like, hey, I don't have much, but here's a plate of whatever my planet's delicacy is. Hey, or, I got this sack of wet seaweed leaves. Boy, howdy. And then it pops out and it's like, my name's Bill. <laughs> I am Zafifi. I am Zafifi I in apo- a bag. I apologize for this deception. <laughs> oh, Zafifi away. <laughs> So, <laughs> but literally, he's like, no one has ever paid Waru before. And it was like, uh, how did you get this big gold house then, Waru? Yeah, did you did you just come with this giant golden sanctuary then? <laughs> just arrive on scene, completely trumped out. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> I live in a gold apartment, and I am myself fat and gold. <laughs> oh, I had to scrape my way up from the bottom. I, of course, was born into a giant golden palace. <laughs> Didn't you get a, a million dollar loan in scales and ooze from your father <laughs> in, in the in the late seventies? Uh, I do not recall that, for I am Waru. Waru remembers no such thing. Waru has no apartments for black aliens. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Waru. <laughs> so, but okay, he just starts whining that none of these other random aliens have ever brought him anything. Which let's go ahead and say that's bullshit. One hundred percent bullshit. And but he that- sounds like. Just a, a big selfish dick bag. He's like, oh, no one's ever thinking about Waru. Everyone just wants things from Waru, which Waru gives gladly. Waru's the most generous person Look, you've ever interviewed. I never, ever want to not give stuff to people. All I want, and it makes me super happy to give it, I just wish I didn't have to. 
Yeah. Wait, what? It's, what? What's? Huh? What? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, just everything about you is just a little unsettling and wrong, Waru. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then so he starts just sort of talking to her, and the things he's talking to her about. My God. Like he's gonna stop in the middle of his weird supplicant parade. In order to be like, oh, let me talk to someone I actually know and give a fuck about. Yeah. And it's Zaveri. Sure, why not? That makes some almost sense. But what he stops to talk to her about is basically like, hey, man, give me a fucking book report on the book I had you read. Yeah, so he gives her a book to read, and the things that the two of them decide to talk about, well, you know what? I'll just I'll just read them. Uh, okay, so he says to her, of course thou didst comprehend the connection between the ego flux and the universal backlight, but I wonder if thou didst make the conceptual leap to the synergy of intellectual realization and qu- quantum crystallization. Mint clean, saving 90% of your hot water and soap, ready to teach the whole human race the moral ABC of all one God faith. For we're all one or none. All one, all one, all one, mint Castile pure soap. Thank you, Dr. Bronner. Sorry, I, I went into Dr. Bronner for a minute there, because <laughs> that's what he's doing. He's just speaking nonsense at her. And then she's like, indeed, I have realized the value of quantum crystallization, but I did not make the conceptual leap until just now when you spoke it. Thou oh, spokest it, spokest it. Thou spokest it, did have. <laughs> when thou spokest with Nisdenverton. <laughs> yeah, the... God, it's... It is just nonsense, and... I like that Han, at least, is like, what the fuck are they talking what about? What is this bullshit? Han spends this entire chapter going, how is this working? Where's the, where's the button you press that makes this thing wobble around and leak ooze? Oh, yeah. He's like, all right, what, what little puppeteer dude is below decks controlling this giant meat pillar? Where do I put a quarter into this thing so my kid can ride it? Huh? What, what is this? What kind of what game you run in here, Waru? Hey, Jason, get in here. This is like the coolest merry-go-round ever. You're just going to sit on top of this wobbling pile of meat that... that Speaks random nonsense. Don't worry, you're going to get some <laughs> greasy blood on you, but that'll happen. <laughs> I mean, this thing's so oozy that there's stalactites hanging off the edges of the table it's sitting on. Yeah, it. there is, God, there's a point in the book where it lovingly describes, like, little droplets going down these hardened grease stalactites and forming at the bottom, and I'm like, please don't. This is like one of those places where they got to clean that tray that's underneath the hanging ducks in the window. Oh, yeah, this is like... If nobody bothered to clean an Arby's is what Waru is. <laughs> Waru is just the back room in an Arby's that you're not allowed to see. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just walk back there and you're like, oh, this place is mostly grease and meat drippings. That's good. <laughs> Arby's. We've got the extra dimensional meats. <laughs> Come on in and get a half pound of shaved Waru with some Waru sauce. Yeah. And, uh, but... When we were talking about 3PO, this is the scene where 3PO at least gets to show that he's not a complete doofus. Yeah, this is actually a good 3PO moment because he immediately realizes the moment that Waru starts addressing anyone other than Zaveri that he doesn't do the thee-thou shit anymore. Yeah, because he talks to 3PO and 3PO doesn't do it. He's like, oh yes, hello, it's nice to meet you. Like, he doesn't use the thee-thous. You're and very Han generous. Solo yeah, is like, huh, I probably totally would have jumped into that thee-thou shit because I did not realize he was only using it with Zaveri. Yeah, and they're like, good on 3PO, because 3PO picked that shit up immediately. What a useful protocol droid. And I was like, wow, look at that. A, a little, little. Someone gave 3PO a banana sticker. <laughs> someone was like, good job. You're going to get a star right on this board, and two more, we're having a pizza party. 
Five more, it's ice cream. Ooh. <laughs> so, and it's the kind that comes in its own cup with a little wooden spoon stick. And of course, because you got any sticker at all, you get to go to the cabinet and pick a toy. Oh, it's sweet. It's one of those ones that comes in like a gross from the Oriental Trading Company. Heck yeah, I want one of those uh, soldiers with a parachute backpack. No, nah, you're going to get one of them little plastic finger puppet monsters. <laughs> well, I can deal with that. <laughs> can I get a spider ring? No, nah, you're just going to get a bouncy ball. <laughs> That would probably be my favorite one. No, probably. I spent a lot of time as a kid fucking with those bouncy balls. Did you know that the kinetic energy transfer is the most fun toy you can give a kid? <laughs> if you take one of those and stab it with a pen and then throw that at the ground, that pen will fire 50 feet into the fucking air. <laughs> so, so okay. Uh, Waru basically is at best sort of nice to everyone who isn't so very... Uh, <laughs> Luke, or I think it's 3PO, tries to call him teacher or something. He's like, oh, Master Waru, it's so pleasurable to meet you. And he goes, my name is merely Waru. No, Though, mister. Accent on the Roo. Mini uh, Waru. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not a dirtbag. <laughs> Many people call me teacher, and that is the only honorific I esteem. They call me teacher. They call me Tina. That's not my name. That's not my name. My name's Waru. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so they basically Luke is getting all kinds of freaked out. Uh, he keeps trying to walk to Waru, and Han keeps grabbing him and stopping him. He's like, "Dude, dude, Luke, you're you're being real fucking weird right now." Yeah, and Luke's like fighting. He's like, "Let me go, let me go. I want to go touch that gross thing." <laughs> yeah, that's he's he is like what a dog would be like if it met Waru. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go lick that meat. Oh, I gotta get in that thing. I gotta sniff that. Oh my god, there's, there's a, a fucking paper towel and it's got blood and mucus in it. I need to eat it. I need to eat it right now. That is Luke. Luke with Waru is a dog that has found your trash. Now, thankfully, Han has the presence of mind to prevent Luke from really doing anything with Waru. Luke doesn't talk at any point throughout the course of this scene. He just stands there quietly observing Waru and freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually, Han says something he kind of goes like "Ugh, this is a dumb shit show i'm leaving <laughs> and then they he kind of starts to leave and he completely forgets luke is in there well no i mean before that we get the entire actual scene of what's going on that's true you want to yeah. go ahead yeah so uh you know eventually waru's like yo it's great talking dr bronner with you but i got an actual like congregation to get back to yeah so he goes back to them and they all go to the back of the chapel yeah and they watch as he engulfs one of them Zephliffles. So the Zephliffles somehow manage to shove their way to the front of all the people in the building. Uh, and again, they're just a big old hump of seaweed. And from the hump of seaweed, they manage to sort of eject one seaweed lump. That's all like sort of gray and like dying plant looking. He was the wrong color, basically. Uh, and so, <laughs> hey, this guy's the wrong color. Can you help us out with that? Ah, uh, as Waru, I fully appreciate that there are good people on both sides of this argument. <laughs> but I only want people of this color. Let me change that. <laughs> so, so Waru kind of just sort of oozes up to this thing, this poor Zephliffle, and melts one of his shields. Like, the metal shields that are all over Waru just sort of melts and covers the Zephliffle, and then it turns into a metallic shell around the Zephliffle. And then Waru starts vibrating. See, the the way that I pictured it in my head is that he basically bent over and engulfed this Zephliffle. I, it looks like maybe that happened, but it does describe that the Zephliffle actually shows up as, like, covered in gold. 
Well, the, like he's a gold the, the gold uplifted. scales go off of him and onto there. Yeah, and so then, like there's a giant exposed meat section on Waru. Oh yeah, definitely. That's where Bard the Bowman's gonna finally kill this guy. Yeah, finally. Yeah. So, but so he basically just sort of shield melts onto the Zephliffle, and then he starts ringing like like Waru does. He's, yeah, and then and then from up on stage you hear ring 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 banana phone. And so, uh, and then that that fucking heals the Zephliffle because he pulls the scales back and back onto himself, and now the Zephliffle's all green and healthy looking. Yes, and then he disappears into the pile of Zephliffles. Yeah, and meanwhile, the entire time Han is just like, "All right, what's what is the con? Like the Zephliffles are in on it? Oh no, they would never be in on it. Why? Oh, they they couldn't." He's like, okay, it, it's a body double. No, they would know if it was a body double. Well, then all he right. was. Then, then they're all acted. All of the Zephliffles are in on it, and they just use paint. And all he did was wash the paint off it. He's like, and he's like, oh, there's, there's something. There is definitely a con going on here because the second someone tells you they are a healer, it is bullshit. And I like this characterization of Han, where he's like, no, no one is good. Everyone has an angle. Yeah. And here's the thing: Zaveri gets ultra pissed off and stomps out of the building. Yeah, she's like. Fuck you, Han. And then Han has to chase after her, and he's like, he's like, what? That was clearly a con. That's what you brought us here to see. And she's like, never speak inside the chancellery or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you know, you know, how you could have solved that problem, Zaveri. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, not to tell you your business. <laughs> I but don't, I don't want to tell you how to do your dumb, weird thing. I'm not here to, exp- to, to, to run you through the process of being a stage magician that worships a ball of meat. <laughs> but, but you could have avoided this situation by. And again, I'm going out on a limb here, telling anyone anything before you got in there. Yeah. Had you mentioned, say, the slightest of information, yeah. then maybe you Even could if avoid you been something. Like, hey, I can't tell you about the big wet meat, but what I can tell you is please don't talk in there. Man, that is my pickup line. <laughs> Look, I can't tell you about my big wet meat, but just don't talk in there. <laughs> so... But, I mean, seriously, if at any point she had, instead of just been going, oh, the thing in there is so mysterious that I cannot reveal it oh, to you. Oh, you'll never believe me if S- I tell you. Such the mysteries of mysteriousness. If you had been like, hey, there's a thing in there, and I want you to know that I genuinely believe in it. Yeah, if you had stopped J.J. Abramming, Abramsing at people and being like, oh, who knows? Who could possibly tell what's in this mystery yeah, box? Yeah, I mean, if you, you brought Han Solo in, so obviously you wanted him to see the con. That's what you and Han, that's your whole relationship. Yeah. Han is there knowing that you were apparently a stage magician who conned the Empire people and murdered them with stage magic. So if you're like, hey, you've got to see this thing, you're going to bring him into a stage where someone is healing people. Mm -hmm. And you know that Han knows that healers is one of the, like oldest cons you can pull it, there's no doubt that it's one that she has personally pulled on empire guys y- yeah at that point you have to go look i know han enough that he's not just going to show up in there see a giant meat pillar and go oh i'm a true believer now this is like trying to haul michael kane from the prestige in to watch a magic act and be like believe it's real michael kane oh i can't oh i work with magic guys Oh, I do, I do. Oh, I work with magic, oh, I do. Oh, I'm Michael Caine. You've got a very weird Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, it's Michael Caine here. Oh, I'm going to teach you all about magic. <laughs> it doesn't work. It, you brought your, your friend who knew you were a big old con artist to see a weird magic thing, and then you're like, I don't believe it because obviously it's a con because here's Zaveri, master of all things con, and she's like, how dare you, sir? How dare you say this is a con? So what? the two... What? The, so the two of them have a weird fight outside, and then finally Han goes, oh, right, Luke. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just left his dumb ass back in there. 
well, they, he's kind of important. We should probably go get him. Yeah. So they go in there, and thankfully, Luke's just been standing there. Yeah. Luke is just sort of sitting in the back, slightly waving like his body back and forth. Sort of like if he was in uh, like paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. At this point, they would speed up the camera, and he would just slightly move back and forth. Yeah, this is basically the part in, in uh, paranormal activity where Michael Caine comes in, and he's like, Oh, I'm going to teach you magic. I'm in paranormal activity, I am. Michael Caine. <laughs> I, like, I like new Michael Caine. New Michael Caine's so good. Why is he Australian? I don't know, because Michael Caine decided, fuck it. That's what happens when a British person decides fuck it, is they become Australian. Oh, fair enough. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, so, Han goes back in to get Luke, and Luke's, like, just about ready to walk straight up into Waru. Like, he's about to get up off his bench and go running up there and be like, I'm a Jedi Master, eat me! <laughs> and uh, and Han stops him, which finally Luke's, it, it describes it as the intelligence returning to his eyes. Yeah, by the time he gets him outside and away from Waru, he's like, Oh, hey. Oh, man, we got to get out of here. You're welcome. <laughs> so so he manages to pull Luke away from Waru. Luke's like, what the fuck was that shit? What just happened to me in there? And uh, Han's like, well, was that thing a Jedi or not? And he's like, nope. I have no idea what that thing was, but I didn't sense any, like, force power. There, were no, there was no force powers. There was no Jedi stuff I could determine. I don't know what the shit that was. Yeah. And uh, that's the end of them. I mean, yeah. they'll die right then. And then everyone died. Cersei Station loses all of its radiation shielding, and everyone cooks alive. The end. Yay. Well, thankfully, Waru cooked alive, and he's inside that nice golden shell. You pick those scales off, and inside, mm, Oh, man, it's like eating a meat <laughs> artichoke. Is, oh, man, it is great. You just pull that scale off, and it's still got that meat on the bottom. You dip that in some butter. Oh, mm-hmm. man, a little drawn butter and Waru. Let me add it. I, I had a little Waru al pastor the other day that was... <laughs> <laughs> just mm, delicious all right so we got to go check in with uh princess leia princess leia i'm sorry uh what is it it's uh lilani lilani lilila because all they did was add l's between all the vowels lilila 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 and gay ahab i'm really sad that they never say the word gay ahab again i know it only shows up the one time and it's a disappointment but it's okay because it lives up here in my head now (laughs) it stays there that's forever if i were to meet chewbacca in real life i'd be like what's up gay ahab (laughs) you'd be like i hate that i I, I hate that it sounds like you're emphasizing gay because you're immature but really it's because it's spelled with lots of y's (laughs) but really it's because there are so many y's that you basically have to stretch it out yeah gay ahab (laughs) at best the best way to pronounce it is gay Ahab. And even that's not that great. Nah. <laughs> All right. So the two of them have rescued sort of Rilau. Rial. Rial. So Rial is on their ship uh, being treated by medical droids. And, and other a, guy is there. And the other guy who refuses to give his name. Yeah. The uh, hugest douchebag from Ferraria. <laughs> Ferraria. <laughs> oh, boy. So the th- they're all sitting around on Leia's ship, Alderaan. Which, of course, we aren't calling by its name, because that would reveal who Leila is. Ugh. And uh, this dude is basically sitting there eating meat and not asking any questions and not answering any questions. Yeah. And, Le- I mean, Leia wants to know some shit. She's like, okay, but, like, why do you apparently hate this person? Yeah, what, what did Riao ever do to you? And he's like, well, she's in the torture chamber. She must be the bad guy. Like, that's why bad. That's why we had a torture chamber, in case of a bad guy. In case of bad guys put in torture chamber. You're like, wait, hold on. Hold on. You you just, like, woke up, like, ten minutes ago. You don't know shit. Also, this was an Imperial ship, and you hate the Empire, but you're definitely on board with their judgment for 
who should be tortured? Well, here's his reasoning. He thinks that she's the one who sold out the Fer- the Ferrarios. And but what? The, well, why he, would the if she sold the what, what was the price she sold them for? Please like, torture what me I really for eternity. Want, I really want to be tortured for a long time. So yeah. if you could do that, then I'll tell you where all my Ferraris are. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he thinks that she betrayed them, and then the Empire betrayed her. I but. guess, but it like it literally makes no sense. His thought process is just, oh, she was in the torture chamber, so she must be bad. Whereas, if I hated the Empire and found someone in an Empire torture chamber, I'd be like, oh, this person is rad because the Empire hated them. Imagine if Ferrarios had been responsible for A New Hope. Oh, they would have been like, all right, got to rescue Princess Leia from an Imperial prison. Uh, why? She's in prison. I mean, she's a criminal. I mean, obviously, they put her in prison. She's probably a bad guy. We don't know her or anything. Let's all stay here. And that's why that planet was fucking gassed. <laughs> because they're they're just a crappy species. I mean, they don't deserve to be gassed, but still. God, the that the weird thing to me is there's like his dealings with Leia the whole time he's acting like like a used car salesman because he just keeps using her name over and over again. Yeah, so she gives him some stew, and apparently she has droids on her ship that run body scans of anyone who comes on board, and they tell her that he is some sort of predator and he will probably want some meat. Yeah, like, oh, based on his physiology, he wants meat bits. So they give him a bowl of soupy meat, and he just starts eating it with his fingers, and then she starts just sort of pressing him for questions, and he keeps saying, I don't know, Lalila. Huh? Hey, Lalila, you do you ever think about that, Lalila? Hey, Lalila, huh? you got me on my knees, Lalila. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, he just keeps saying her name. Uh, also, by the way, Chewbacca gets himself a bowl of the stew, and he uh, he decorates it with salty dried seaweed and a tiny trace of forest honey. Good, which will show up again in the same chapter. Apparently, Chewbacca is just nuts for forest honey. Hey, man. You've been in that forest long enough. You want some forest honey. Also, is forest honey just sap? I think it's just some guy. <laughs> with forest honey. Hi, I'm forest honey. I'm forest honey Whitaker. <laughs> no, he's, um, I might just be sap, but it does describe the, the process of collecting it from insects later on in this very chapter. Oh, good. Yeah, because the, because Jaina thinks about forest honey and how much Chewbacca likes forest honey. It's like, oh, you know what's great? Forest honey. That's, it's- that's a thing I'm going to try and get to be in the Star Wars expanded universe, forest honey. Oh, it is now. There's no way it isn't. Oh, I'm 100% certain if I went on Wikipedia and looked up forest honey, yeah, it, it would, would link, be there. And there would be a, disamb- a disambiguation page for all the other variations on honey that exist in the Star yeah. Wars universe. Honey, this is the forest version. Yeah, this honey comes from forests on Kashyyyk, probably. Probably, who knows. Before the year 14 ABY, forest honey was known. Huh. That's because that's how they start almost all their things. Anyway... Uh, basically, he just sits there kind of saying Lilila over and over again and not really answering a whole lot of questions. At a certain point, she finally reveals to him that the Empire has fallen. Yeah, she's like, look, you need to quit being all weird and freaked out. The Empire's gone. Okay? Yeah, they're not They're not going to come back and put you back in your freezer doodle. There is a new Republic, and the Empire is out. And then he immediately responds with, wait, if there's no Empire, then I was already free. You couldn't grant me my freedom, you liar. And, and I love... At least with that, she's like, ah, no, I just said you you were free. I didn't say I was giving you freedom. And he's like, oh, you jerk. 
semantics. I know, that's like a Rankin-Bass diplomat or something. Ah, it's a riddle. Well, honestly, given how much of a little shit this unnamed guy is, I'm like, yeah, good, fuck him. Yeah, like, no, he deserves screw it. Screw with that guy. Yeah. So, so well, she starts calling him Nameless One. Uh, yeah, and then uh, he gets followed around by Mort, a little floating skull, and then... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then they eventually pick up a succubus, and a, a, tiefling. Mo- a Modron, and uh, let's see, I a think... A guy that's on fire. Yeah, yeah, they get, uh, what's his name? I forget, J- J- something Jarus or something. Jaraxxus. And, and then you also get Valor, who's a big empty suit of armor. Yeah, it's great. And ultimately, you should go play that game. And ultimately, Planescape Torment. It's Planescape great. Torment. Although no one ever takes Ignis, that's the on-fire guy. Yeah. No, no one ever takes Ignis or Valor because you don't really need them. The rest of the team makes up a perfect team. <laughs> well, no one takes Ignis because he's chaotic evil and, and he hates will abandon, everything you do. And he will abandon you, spoiler. Spoiler alert for Planescape Torment. Well, I mean, unless you're playing Chaotic Evil, and then he's like, you're a cool dude. That's true. No one else is following you now, though, because you're Chaotic Evil. <laughs> I'm the only one who likes that. I think Dakon would still follow you around, and there's no way Morty's leaving. Well, no. Mort is always there no matter what. Yeah. All right, so, uh, pushing forward, uh, basically, he's like, well, if, if I'm free, then put me back on my ship. Then fuck it. I'm going back to sleep. Yeah. Wait, and, what? And she's like... What? And he's like, yeah, we're, we're heading to a planet. We're just going to head to that planet. And then she starts asking all the questions that we were asking last chapter. Like, well, won't you all die? Like, but, like, it's... That planet will be settled by the time you get there, for sure. Like, 100%. You're going at sub-light speed. Even if you want to go settle that planet, let us, like, have the Republic come out here, fit your ship with some actual light speed drive, and then get you there. And he's like, nah. Nah, we know you. No, and, we don't want to do anything like that. And then I'm like, I, I, all I'm thinking is, why isn't she asking if he speaks for all the frozen Ferrarios? Yeah, like, are you like, leader of everyone that's yeah, frozen in Did there? I happen to hit the button for guy in charge? Because it seems like you're speaking for an awful lot of future dead people. Yeah, well, especially given that he wakes up and should have immediately seen that, like, half of the people's pods failed. Yeah, th- that was the first thing that we encountered was when she gets on board the ship. She's like, wow, a lot of these freezy doodles are broken. There's a lot of dead people in here. Yeah. It smells like dead Ferrario. Oh, man. It smells like a Waru in here. Yeah. <laughs> Someone open a window. There's a Waru in the room. <laughs> but but he's like, nope, we're all fine. Just put us back in the in the freezer chambers, and we're going to be going to the sublights so we don't owe anyone anything. And she's like, I, we don't want any. Uh, okay, but you'll definitely. Look, your, your ship's already collapsing. Like, your shit is fucked. Stop that. And what do you want me to do about the other ships? I don't care about the other ships. I don't even care about the other people on this ship. I want to go at sublight speed to a new planet. Great. Well, I'll put you on a fucking escape pod then, and I'll deal with the rest of your people yeah. and see if all of them are idiots. I mean, it's funny that she goes along with this plan instead of assuming that the only Ferrario she's ever met might just be an asshole. Yeah, she may have like unfrozen the biggest D-bag on Ferrario, and nope, she's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Hey, this one person I met is in charge. You definitely speak for your entire species. That makes sense to me. I'm a diplomat. That makes sense to me. I'm a space racist. You're basically all the same, right? Anyway, bye. Actually, it does describe in this chapter Ferrario as being near human, something extra, something better. <laughs> in, the, in those terms. Which I think is just because they have pretty metal skin. Because they have gold skin, and then when Ralau is healing, she develops silver scars over her gold skin. Well, yeah, and she heals quick. Yeah, she's like a wolverine. She's like some kind of wolverine. She's like some kind of saber tooth. <laughs> Wait, does Sabretooth have fast healing? Yeah. Okay, good. That's that's what they share. They share the healing. That, oh, okay. You know, Deadpool and 
Yeah. That, anyone uh, else that has yeah. a healing factor? Anyone else from the the X, whatever is it, the Weapon X project? That, that Weapon X? Like, well, no. Because, br- like, Phantom X is from Weapon X project, and he's just got a weird spaceship. Why did I think Phantom X was a lady? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, also, I think there's a squirrel from the Weapon X project that, that has a uh, super Some kind of squirrel. Yeah, I think it's Weapon 2 or something like that is a squirrel, which is just so that they could do a squirrel girl uh, uh, bit about it. Yeah, I mean, what else would you do with a squirrel in Marvel? Yeah. Um, okay, so um, she uh, agrees to the only Ferrario she's ever met that he should definitely speak for the, the fates of every other Ferrario that, that, that still exists in the universe. Yeah, after but, having diplomatic relations for maybe an hour with... Some asshole that won't give her his name. She's like, yeah, you can decide the fate of everyone on that ship. Yeah, and, and all those other ships too. That's fine, whatever. Uh, and then she puts him back in the in the in the ship. And as the doors are closing, she goes, "By the way, why do you keep saying my name?" He's like, "Oh, because it has power, though not as much power as your real name, Princess Leia." And then the doors go chunk, and you don't get to follow up on the question. You know, the the follow up of how long have you been asleep? How do you know who I am? Yeah, because. He knows that Alderaan has blown up. Mm-hmm. Like, that much he knows. Yep. Because he's like, oh, I figured you were Alderanian. Uh, you you have an Alderanian accent, and your ship has Alderaan written on the side of it. Yeah. And so, you know, she also tells him the the fate of Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, they have that in common. But that means he must have been put into this ship sometime between the first movie and the last movie. Yes. Because he doesn't know that the Empire has, like, collapsed at all, but he also knows that Alderaan has blown up. Also, Princess Leia apparently famous enough that there's, like, hollows of her everywhere so that people have seen her face. Oh, yeah. I I guess. I mean, at least with her... I mean, she is a princess from an important human planet. Yeah, like, so, she was, I guess... I guess Probably uh, like an important person in the Senate, I would assume. As uh, yeah, well. I think she probably served. Uh, she was had some sort of a uh, thing within the Senate. So I guess it you know, it'd little... be like if I I had Mitch McConnell show up on a spaceship and he was like, "I'm Mitch McConnell." And I mean, I'm multiple McConnell. And Leia'd be like, "Get off my ship, you space turtle! We got we got no room for space turtles on this ship." Ah, but do you have a raspberry? <laughs> I'd be so happy if you gave me a raspberry or a heap of corn. Or if you had a shoe I could fuck. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Mitch McConnell fucks shoes. (laughs) And he he says wow when he does. Yeah, he straight up sounds like Owen Wilson whenever he fucks a shoe. He's just like, wow. Wow. (laughs) Oh, the visual images. All right, so... Basically, Princess Leia flabbergasted, but at least she still has a Riao to hang out with who is not yet awake. Yeah. And now we need to go check in with Jaina. This fucking, I cannot stand these parts of the chapters where it's like, and now what's going on at Nazi youth camp? Yeah. I don't care. So I, I, I get it. I get that it's a Nazi youth camp. Just please. Stop. At least this time, it's all just one scene. We don't follow her all over the place. She's eating lunch. No, but what it is, is it may as well be like she starts using the force and the fucking Benny Hill theme starts up because mm-hmm. that's what this end of the chapter is. So she is now armed with the secret knowledge that she can do force things as long as they're little. Yeah. So instead of doing particles of air. She's going to move grains of sand. So she's eating her rancid porridge soup, and then she sees all the helpers. And I, I love the description of the helpers at this situation, because the helpers are all like sitting at the table in the mil- middle of the room eating food, and they have a lot of honey cake and fruit and cookies. 
which is like, I thought you were trying to raise Jedi. Why are you just feeding them fat shit? Oh, yeah. Like, from the description, it sounds like they have, like, cinnamon rolls and desserts and then occasional fruit. And you're like, okay, but what? Lean protein. Let's get some lean protein and salads in front of these guys. I thought you were raising the next generation of Sith warriors. Nah. Nah. We're just fattening them up. Oh, everyone of them's got body type four from Star Wars The Old Republic. <laughs> My favorite body type. <laughs> I'm wider than I am tall. Let's do this. I'm a Jedi. And not only are they doing that, but they're also doing the, you know, Dickensian thing where they're like, ah, a bite of cinnamon roll and to the floor with the rest of you. Ha ha ha. I hate food. Yeah. They're like, oh, I've had a bite of this cookie. No more. I shall crumble it and leave it for nothing. I shall toss it to the hounds. Yeah. The shank of animal displeases me. Okay, well, she decides to fuck with them by putting sand on their food. Yeah, because she's like, fuck these guys, <laughs> eating the cinnamon rolls and shit. I'm going to put some sand on your Cinnabon. So she puts sand on one of these guys' like pieces of fruit, but he gives the piece of fruit, fruit to Vram, the little bully helper. And Vram eats the fruit and doesn't give a fuck because he is a brand new, he's new money in terms yeah. of the helpers. He doesn't know yet that the, his fruit shouldn't have sand on it. He's just like, dude, this is not shitty grease porridge. I am okay with this so he just gobbles down his sandy piece of cantaloupe which you know not that different from regular cantaloupe if we're being honest actually wait cantaloupe's the good one it's no it's... cantaloupe is the disgusting one also all melon <laughs> no i can't disagree i can't agree with you on that one my friend melon is nasty i like most melons melon terrible yeah what, I do, like... you what do you got a honeydew a jicama mm, sounds good Get sounds fuck out well, i don't know jicama Hic... i don't even know jicama counts as... i think it's a root <laughs> i'm pretty sure some kind of root i'm pretty sure it has to be dug up out from the ground so well same <laughs> Hickama is basically just like if an apple came in plain. <laughs> as far as I can tell, Hickama is just water-flavored. Yeah, like if every apple in the world turned out to be apple-flavored, and then you realize that there was also plain, that would be a Hickama. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it other than cover it in Mexican spices and pretend it's interesting. <laughs> exactly. Okay, it's so, <laughs> she puts some sand on some more food, and the... And, the, hel the lead helper eats a sandy bite of honey cake. And oh, he's so angry about it. Keep in mind that that's regular honey cake, by the way. It's definitely not forest honey cake. No, definitely not Different forest kinds honey. of honey. So many honey. So we have a spot where Jaina stops and thinks about how she used to go with Chewbacca when he would harvest forest honey in his home world of Kashiak. And I'm like, man, she's like six. How many planets has she been to? It's nuts. A lot. She's been to like every planet. <laughs> also, given that... Like, from what we have heard, they stop at most of the planets they're doing diplomatic stuff on for, like, months. months. Yeah. There's no way she has that much memory of going and doing fucking forest honey shit. And when I say she's, like, six, what I mean is we know she is five. Yes. We know she is actually five, but she We has, know she is this many. But she has memories of, like, 50 planets already. And, and the best part is when she's mean enough to Vram about not knowing stuff about plants. It's like, you are so sheltered, Jaina. Uh, but anyway, she puts some sand on his food, and he flips the fuck out and starts yelling for something named Grake. Yeah, and that's the cook. The description of the cook is weird. Well, okay, so so the cook is a Vubug. A Vubug. It's V-E-U-B-G. It's a Vubug. It's Vubug. So a Vubug is basically a six-legged uh, monster from a super high-gravity planet that uses coily tentacles to, to interact with the world. I kind of picture like a a, a six-legged carrion crawler because they have tentacle face. I, I mean, mean, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. But but she's got like tentacle face. She's got she's really huge, and she's from a, a high density planet, so she's really heavy. Yeah. Well, and because she's from a high density, she's like, oh, I'm super agile because 
Now that I'm in a low-grav world, I can get around real quick because I got all sorts of muscle. Yeah, and she's from the planet FBU. FBU. FBU, just in case you were curious. Yeah, she's from the planet FUBU. She's, she's from FUBU, and her name is Vubig. Great. So Vubig shows up and is super angry immediately. How dare you talk bad about my cooking? And then up starts Yakety Sax, and she starts running around hitting Proctor's with a spatula and throwing food. Yeah. It's like she knew that she was from Central Casting for the part of this book that was about the children. And so she's behaving like the chef in fucking Little Mermaid. <laughs> just, oh, I have no regard for my own stuff. I will smash it. <laughs> yeah, she's just running around like, how dare you talk about my food? My food has no sand in it. My food. Yeah. And then, you know, she points out rightly that a lot of the helpers have their fucking feet on the table. And she's like, you blame me for sand and you have the manners of dragons? <laughs> And, like, just slapping helpers left and right, and throwing food. And at this point, I have to wonder, how the fuck did you get this job? Yeah, how did she get hired for this? Because you freak out and start hitting people on nothing. And uh, you're a weird alien on what we have already established is, an like, an empire, empire thing. Yeah, we're, she's in an empire base. But she seems to act like she has uh, like authority over these Proctor people. But she starts taking all their food and throwing it out to the poor, you know, like like low class children. Yeah. So everyone's got like melons and cakes and stuff now, and they're all gobbling them down. Hethrier is not going to be happy about this. No, this is definitely something where he's already killed a dude for accidentally not saying "my lord" yeah. on time. Like, what do you think he's going to do to an alien that has fucked up his shit? Yeah, because the whole thing where he's feeding these kids shitty porridge is because he's trying to break their spirits. Yeah, he's trying to be like, look, I'm going to have you eat the shittiest food next to the people who are in charge yeah. who eat good food so that you will want to follow me. Yeah, but unfortunately this comedy monster comes along and, and, and sets this whole thing back by weeks, and I guess I'm just going to set it aside as some light off-Broadway fun. Yeah, no, this is, I, I don't know if it ever comes up again in the, the book because this is the end of the chapter, but uh, I 100% believe Hethrier just walks down to the kitchen, lightsabers her to death, and is like, Great, need a new cook now. Yeah, and we don't get to know that, because what happens instead is she runs around uh, being, you know, sort of comedically fun and bonking people on the head with spatulas and so on, until finally the head proctor pulls a lightsaber. Yeah, he's like, I will end you yeah. if you don't stop and, this. And notably, Jane is watching, and she's like, how come none of the other ones have pulled lightsabers yet? Maybe they can't. She thinks at this point, and I think she might be right, that Hethrier is cheating in both ways. That yeah. he's, he's shutting off promising four students for not being human, but he's rewarding human students by turning their lightsabers on for them. Yeah. So he, she thinks that half the Proctors can't even use lightsabers, and uh, but one, the head one obviously can, because he pulls his saber, but then the then Vubig is just like, oh, peace out, and she just disappears down a hole. Oh, well, lightsaber, I'm out. Yeah, and she just runs away, and that's the end of that. Yeah. Uh, oh, we also get we a little about, bit about yeah. some Mermans. So the all the some, Proctors... Some Ethel Mermans. The Proctors can't, like, leave, because that would be admitting defeat. So they all sit back down and pretend to eat gross food that's been smacked around and stomped on by a monster. Uh, they just sit back down. At this point, uh, Jaina starts looking at a little bug right in front of oh, her. Oh, no, this is actually all occurs at the same time. Oh, okay. Well, because the crumb that she begins to move is how she knows she can move sand. Okay, so there's a there's something called a mirman, which I guess is just an ant. But she's like, okay, this one's got extra legs and extra antenna. It's but not it's, technically a merman, but it's close enough. It's 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 not quite Eugene Merman. It's not quite. Yeah. It's like if Eugene Merman was a little less sallow looking. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't want to be mean to Eugene Merman because you look just like him. Oh, oh, that's sad. <laughs> so, so I, no one should look like me. <laughs> it's, you, you look a lot like Eugene Merman, who's you know a famous comedian. He's he's the the boy on on Bob's Burgers. He's that boy. He's he here come that boy. Oh shit! What up? <laughs> so so uh, anyway. Merman her little bugs, and she gives a little merman a crumb, a crumb of porridge, and it picks it up and starts carrying it off. Then she notices that that Jason has also come to the realization that he can do little tiny things with the force, but because he likes animals instead of sand, uh, because you well, see, no one likes sand. Yeah, everyone. Well, all it gets the, everywhere. All the male members of the of the Skywalker family hate sand. Yeah. They, they think it's rough and coarse, and it gets everywhere. But they also all love bugs. They love them. So he's using merman to fuck with the Proctors. Yeah. So while they're like. The stupid six-legged chef is fucking everything up. He's having little bugs crawl up the legs of these proctors. Now, I don't know if it's fair to call Vubig stupid. I mean, she did just beat up a bunch of Jedi kids and smack them with spatulas. And, I mean, Vubig's, Oh, no, it's very stupid because she is definitely dead now. Uh, Vubig is my favorite character in this part of the story so far. I mean, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I don't like Jaina. I don't like Vram. I don't like Hethrier. I, I, it's pretty much her and Kakakoo Kakoo that I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with Ucky. Yeah, and Ucky. But Vubig is Vubig's a rad character, and I hope we see her again instead of you know hearing that War that Hethrier just killed her outright. Yeah, that Hethrier walked down there, chopped her in half, and was like, "Yep, <laughs> my last time I hire one of those things." So anyway, he starts sending ants up the pants of these people. I'm sorry, Merman up the up the germans of these people. <laughs> merman in your german. <laughs> so, my germans. Oh, my germans. My homespun germans. <laughs> <laughs> so these merman start cl- crawling up in them and, you know, basically biting them on the butt. Yeah. Oh, they're so bitey and my goodness, they're dancing around and scratching at their nuts. And yeah, and goodness. so they, eventually, most of them that they they can't show weakness, but they start to stand up and carefully leave. And the proctor's like, "No, don't leave!" And then they all run away. And then he, according to Jaina, scratches himself in a place that is very rude. And then he runs off. Yep. The end. Good. We got a fucking yakety sack sequence followed by nut scratching. Yeah. This hooray. Is- I like to think that it's like a knee or something, and you just don't know where scratching is rude in Star Wars. Also, uh, Jaina does get to meet with Jason briefly because of the chaos, and Jason's real sad about them killing these mermen. Yeah, he's very—he's directly force-connected to all these like mermen and ants and stuff. He's make crawl, making crawl up these people's pants, so when they start dying, he really feels it, and he starts crying about it, and he's apologizing and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, little mermans. So we get to see the sensitive side of Jason, who we have not seen at all for quite some time. No. And then the chapter ends, and uh, that's the end of that. There you go. That was uh, chapter, what were you on, seven? That's six. six. That's chapter six. six. There's eight chapters to go. Gah. In the tale of Waru. <laughs> yeah. In the tale of the giant gold-covered co- gyro meat. Now, John, we should probably wrap this show up, because I got a Waru going in the slow cooker. Ha <laughs> ha! That that's what I I have that euphemism all the time. The I got to... a I got a big waru brewing in the slow cooker. If you know what I mean, I, I gotta go drop waru off at the pool. If you understand <laughs> if what you, I'm... if you get what I'm saying, <laughs> I got one of them tall boy warus coming through. Yeah, whenever I eat a lot of corn, I have to drop off a waru. If you know what I mean, covered oh. in gold scales, if you will. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Real gross. So, John, we're going to wrap this one up for the week. Uh, as always, we want to thank everyone for listening. But before I cut to the real, the regular end of the show, The real junk, regular end. The real regular, the regular show that we're going to do at the end where we're going to, I don't know, I, I don't watch that show. I don't have any jokes ready. Yeah, I there's, don't have any jokes about regular show. There's a, there's like a gumball machine. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Muscle Man. Something about my mom. 
Something about my mom. I think you are referring to uh, Gumball and not regular show, which nope. is a raccoon and a bird. No, there's a Gumball machine on that show as well. There, I don't believe. Yeah, in fact, I believe on the Amazing World of Gumball, Gumball is a cat. Well, yes, Gumball is a cat. Yeah, no, but I think there's a guy named Benson or something like that on regular show who is a animate Gumball machine. Great. Uh, and, and my mom is because there's a character named like Muscle Man or something, and he thinks it's funny to say like my mom the way other people would say your mom. So he'll be like, "What you said something's fat and stinky, my mom." I think that's a regular thing on that show. Good. I've never watched more than like two seconds of that show. So, so there you go. So there you go. I don't really have any good references or jokes ready. I'm just aware of its existence. Yep. Is that good enough? Sure. Why not? Uh, but to get to the point, we're starting bonus content for this show too. A little preview of that bonus content is coming towards you right now. Not right now, like as in now, but like right now as in it's on the site. It's already going to be on the site. I don't, I don't know what you mean by preview. I think we're, are we just going to, are we going to not charge for this one? Is that the idea? Yeah, we're going to give you this out. A okay. little sample. This is going to be a free one, and then after that we're going to do some monies? Yeah, the first one is free, or and little, then after that you little, know. You get a taste. But you know nice what th- you're getting into. But since the nice thing about this show is that it's weekly, we can start charging for it immediately after that. It's going to be great. It's so good. So uh, the plan for the moment is the bonus content for Expounded Universe is going to work just the same as it does for System Mastery. It'll be on our Patreon feed. Uh, it'll come out the same day as the actual episodes do, which means you'll get four of these things a month, and we'll only charge you twice. <laughs> so... The basic idea behind them, and we haven't come up with a name yet, I'm still leaning towards Expounded or Universe, uh, or even more Expounded Universe, or something, I don't know. Yet more Expounded Universe to tell in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, is that we're going to be taking something we learned from each episode, looking it up on Wikipedia, and extrapolating from there, and just sort of laughing and learning as we go about the weird things on Wikipedia that exist in Star Wars and the in weird, our weird, wacky world of Star Wars. Ooh, the, wor- the wacky world of Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know. I think I might like that. Worldwide Wikipedia. We should have had this conversation off the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that, like I said before, that one's going to be free. It will only be available on the Patreon, though. So if you, uh, if you aren't already connected to our Patreon RSS feeds, you'll want to uh, go over there and check out that episode. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be new bonus content for this going forward. We're going to try it out uh, this week. We're going to get a free one, and then we'll see going forward what we're actually going to do with it and if we like doing it and what have you. Yeah, but this is just going to be a little a little toe dip into the pool. Mm-hmm. So, otherwise, that as always, I've been Jeff. That's been John. This has been Expounded Universe. If you like what you're listening to, go support us on uh, that aforementioned Patreon. It's patreon.com slash systemmastery. You can also find us as System Mastery on Gmail, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, all kinds of places like that where you can reach out, let us know what we were wrong about this week. It's always something. And uh, otherwise, make suggestions, recommendations, comments, and concerns. Uh, Rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher, and uh, purchase our many fine products. Uh, Buy all our (laughs) playsets and toys. (laughs) If there's one thing that this show is missing, it's Homestar Runner references. (laughs) So, as always... I've been Elan Sleesbagano, and I love Death Sticks. This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yum nub for you. I hate dogs and Chewbacca's. You sent my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>